Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creators Alex Dandino and Rob Pilkington about what comics they would take into an asteroid impact apocalypse. But before we get into it, I wanted to let you know that the Comic Scene Comic Club has just got a whole lot better with one price, two books, and a building library of digital comics. The first 50 sign-ups before 23rd of November will enjoy this magnificent monthly membership at just £8 a month, saving them £4.90 per month. And when asked, you can help support their indie titles through your membership and get a free copy of the Best of Comic Scene Batman special. Find out more and sign up at comicscene.org forward slash join dash comic dash club. And also, on a side note, uh, a couple of weeks ago I launched my uh, seventh, no, eighth, eighth Kickstarter uh, called Band of Warriors Issue 2. Um, if you enjoyed the first one or you're eager to uh, find out what it's all about, it's kind of a Celtic and Greek mythology mashup series, um, search for Band of Warriors on Kickstarter or uh, just simply click on the link in the show notes. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Alex Dandino and Rob Pilkington. How's it going? Hello. Hello. Good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually feeling quite proud of myself today, actually, because I demolished a shed. Wow. Oh. So I know. I know. I'm on it. <laughs> oh, um, you know how you so, handle an asteroid impact. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just destroy things. <laughs> what, was, this, uh, but, hey, but, but, was this like I a got, fit of rage or, or were you... Yeah, no, I just I just lost it, and I took it out on the shed. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I'm, I'm preparing for. I'm getting a, a garden office built next week, oh, so I'm nice. just getting like the space, the space ready for it. And it's it's like a thirty year old shed. This thing that's there. So I'm feeling extra proud and excited to to finally get my garden office, which is which is awesome. How about you guys? What have you been up to today this week? Rob, what are you? What are you doing? Oh man, you're gonna ask me first. Uh, <laughs> not much, man. Uh, I've been. I don't know. I, I I do the day job. I I don't really have any. I don't have any sheds to destroy, unfortunately, <laughs> which is now a little jealous. But um, no, man, I'm just hanging in there. Like I've been doing the remote work thing uh, since the the pandemic, and like it's just been mm-hmm. one of those weeks. One of those weeks. Yep, plugging away. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's pretty good. That's nice. I, I I actually like this is the first time in six years I'm actually taking time off from work. Um, so I decided like I'm just taking this time and it worked out that now we get to pod, which is super cool. Uh, but I'm pretty much in the same place Rob is like, I don't have sheds to destroy. So that's kind of a bummer. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> we really should have opened with our weeks. And yeah, gone to Samuel's. Yeah, they go, go, <laughs> go, go, go to the shed destroying. Yeah, see that would have been the capper. That's that's good writing. That's yeah. Rob. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, uh, it's it's an absolute pleasure to to have you both here, and um, you're you're all the way over on the west coast of America, um, I believe. Um, and uh, for anybody that hasn't come across 
either of you just yet what do you both do in the world of comics uh i uh, i'm i'm alex and i'm a writer i write comics i uh i've uh, written a few for um a band called the deer hunter not to be confused with deer hunter which is all one word um i oh, and wow. then uh i just write stuff on my own and i'm part of this fabulous anthology that rob and i are both part of called producing the end of the world uh yeah so i'm rob and i'm also a writer and i have a story featured in producing the end of the world uh from soda and telepaths uh i'm also the co-creator of dame from the dark from tka studios which came out earlier this year um i self-published an anthology called sci-fi review 2020 um that's available digitally and uh i was the most recent top cow talent hunt runner up for writing for those um nice familiar with that little industry uh mm-hmm. competition accolade so, yes accolade yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go thanks um yeah glad to be here thanks for having nice, me man. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Um, and uh, where's where's the best place for people to find you online? Ooh, all the socials, for sure. Twitter, yeah. I, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and I have a website <laughs> that I almost never look at anymore, but I, Twitter I, and Instagram. Yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram, but I'm not hardly ever on there. It's Twitter. I have a Twitter problem. So you can find me at Rob, <laughs> Rob Pilk, R-O-B-P-I-L-K. Excellent. And how about you, Alex? Uh, yeah, I'm at what's, what's Alex, your handle? I'm at Alex Dandino, I think, on Twitter. And then uh, if you find me on Instagram, I'm at Alex Dandy. So Twitter's better. As well. Wow, you found your, whole, you found your whole name on Twitter. Yeah, I know. It was, well, I mean, like, I think my first, I think my Twitter account started in, like, 2010. Like, I oh, can't wow. believe I know that. Yeah, this was, was, like, days. before, you know, this was early days of asking for an edit button and <laughs> you were in it never gonna happen early activist that cause yeah that's right <laughs> fantastic and of course folks all of those links for the show notes um so go uh go follow alex and rob uh on on all of the socials um and uh, you did you of course you you just mentioned um the the anthology um that's been put together by soda and telepaths um called producing the end of the world um so tell us a little bit more about that um how did you get involved in the project and and when is it launching man rob i don't i think i just saw it on twitter right yep i mean i see everything on twitter yeah i just saw uh, it i saw an ad for it on twitter i mean let's I'll, i'll be fair like i was familiar with with soda and telepaths as you know an outlet for you know comics news and comics right. reviews um mm-hmm. i also was on their discord i think um and when they announced that they were doing an anthology which i thought great you know i try to do at least a couple anthologies every year that's kind of where i am in the, the comics career arc still so um you know, I talk with uh, Anthony Pollock, who who runs Soda and Telepaths a few times, and I was like, but uh, I mean, honestly, too, like you know, end of the world stuff, apocalypse stuff, like that's this was late 2020, so like that's where everyone's head was at anyway. So this is <laughs> very easy sort of headspace to to get in and and pitch an idea. So um, that's how I got involved anyway. 
Yeah, I uh I think I, I I had read some soda and telepath stuff. I wasn't on the Discord, but I had seen an ad for looking for a uh entry, so I yeah, and I was feeling real apocalypsy, so I wrote it wrote something and uh it got picked. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, when when does it launch? Because it's got quite a few uh, followers on the pre-launch campaign. I think uh, it's tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow. Right? It's tomorrow. Tomorrow as we <laughs> yes, speak. <please. laughs> so when, 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 when this airs, but it'll please, already uh, be done. Yeah, please confirm for us, Samuel, who has done homework, and Alex <laughs> and I are just like, I... I yes. In several hours? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's tomorrow. This is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know when this, when this episode will air. So maybe it'll, it's November 12th be. is right. the launch, which would be tomorrow. Okay. Cool. Uh, yes. Which is tomorrow as we speak. Um, but ev- for everybody now listening to this, um, retrospectively, <laughs> I yeah, mean, it would yeah. have launched already for a yes. few days. We're live. Um, so yeah, exactly. We made it for now. Um, Give us your ducats. And, uh, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, go, go check out Producing the End of the World. Um, that is uh, the links in the show notes, of course, uh, but it's it's an anthology um, where obviously the the theme is apocalypses and the end of the world. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it from, from what I've seen what anthony sent me and things um yeah it's 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 gonna be a heck of a ride i'm looking forward to it i've only seen like a couple of other stories but i'm really stoked man i've only seen my story so really uh, yeah where have i where have you seen other stories i thought i saw someone else's maybe i'm missing i thought well, i saw I, someone I mean, else's stuff on the discord it's on it's on the uh, private it's on a private discord server oh okay I, I must have missed those but yeah i'm i'm super uh, proud of how mine turned out um one of my favorite scripts of mine in terms of uh you know short comics mm-hmm. and uh the artist uh who was assigned uh, to me Elodie Chen she she knocked it out of the park I think it's gonna be really fun and funny I hope um mine kind of leans towards humor in this one so yeah same oh, I great. I got linked up with Chris Mayoro and uh he just it's phenomenal work, man. Like I could not have been, I cannot have been happier to get linked with the guy and also just like someone who got it almost immediately. Like didn't have to ask me, like pretty much just like went for it and almost, it was like a crazy mind meld. Nice. Love that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great when, uh, particularly like when you've kind of, uh, ended up in, in an arranged collaboration. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's great that it works out like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a crapshoot when you, uh, as a writer, and I'm, I guess as an artist as well. Like, if you just like kind of throw your hat in the ring and like, mm-hmm. it's an arranged marriage. Uh, that uh, <laughs> I I've been very lucky with, with the, in the anthologies I've been involved with when that happens. So uh, same. Knock on wood that that continues. Great. <clears throat> Nice. Uh, now, all of that aside, and of course, producing the end of the world is just complete fiction. But I've got some bad news for you. The reality mm. is, is that there's an asteroid heading mm. right for LA. Oh, um, shit. This is basic, basically deep impact. Um, so, my question for you is: is what is your action plan for survival? Ooh. Oh man, 
Well, um, the fact that it's coming right towards LA is, is even more concerning. Um, cause I thought, you know, if an asteroid is going to come and it hits elsewhere, probably still going to be in pretty bad shape. Um, but if it, I don't know if we're going to escape like the, the vapor vaporized zone, if it was coming right to LA, you got 24 hours. Okay. 24 hours. All right. All right. Um, this isn't a world killer. It's just going to kill LA. <laughs> yeah, just LA. It, it oh, stops right at the border. No. <laughs> no. It's, L- it's LA County. It's yeah, one of those it. I was gonna say, municipal this, this is like survives. I was gonna say, this is like the tsunami scenario. I live in the valley, so I got like beach parking, so I'm good. I'm good. Oh, like, I would just stay in my house. I um. <laughs> so I I thought about this, uh, and I think think what i would do so uh for the first couple of years of uh our relationship my girlfriend um was at stanford and so we would drive to each other up the 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 five the interstate uh here in california which is like very desolate very like you know farmland truck stops kind of deal um and there's like kind of a halfway point um called lost hills um in california and it's like got like kind of like our our choice bathrooms and our choice like kind of gas stations and in um uh you know uh, convenience stores essentially and that was like sort of our meeting place if anything ever happened so i think we're going to go there i think we're going to go there because i want to get away from like panicked droves of people uh, i just want to hop on the highway as quick as possible uh hopefully get out of that blast zone and um, yeah. be in a place where, you know, there's enough, like, Funyuns and, like, Snapple <laughs> that we can, like, just, like, <laughs> just wait it out. That's my wait plan. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's, I have to good. say, though, so it's, it's called The Lost Hills, this yeah. place. It just... It feels like that's just asking to be a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's it's an ominous, <laughs> ominous name. Um, it is. Yeah, it's it's got like a Stephen King kind of vibe. Like we are stuck in this convenience store in Lost Hills, and you know what happens post meteorite. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm still gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stick with it. Oh yeah, no, totally. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. I just, I just feel like you're just asking for trouble, <laughs> like down the line. But you'll be, you'll be safe in the, in the short term for sure. <laughs> and how about you, Alex? Well, originally, based on the question, I thought it was just a world killer. So, like, I was gonna just like cuddle up with Morgan Freeman and be like, "We're done. Like, I'm good. Like, right. just like read, you know." Read whatever poetry you want to read, Morgan, and I will, you know, like I will just let it take me out. Um, but now that it's just hitting LA County specifically, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'd also hop right on the freeway. Um, I've done a lot of traveling for uh, my day job. And so I think actually I would go to, um, I think I'd drive my family out to Wyoming and, uh, settle in one of those communities that absolutely no, like you've never heard of before. And, uh, you just sort of sit there and, uh, wait out the rest of the, wait out the cause no one's going to go. No one wants to go to Wyoming in America. That's like a big, you know, <laughs> that's just like a thing. So they're like pretty much the middle of the country. Uh, 
for a number of reasons is just uh, not a fun place a lot of the time. So I think I'd probably just go there because if anything, if I wasn't going to let a, if I wasn't going to let an uh, asteroid take me out, I mean, like there's any number of things that could happen in the middle of the country. So at some point something's going to come down. So mm. it's a fatalist mentality, but I live with it. <laughs> nice, nice. Are, you, are you into into snowboarding and skiing and stuff nope i stay indoors you won't even be able to enjoy like you know all of the you know I'm a, stuff. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of veranda viewing i'll just watch i'll like nice. i'll be like oh yeah nice. you go and do that skiing thing that you know has killed yeah, countless man. people and i'm gonna sit here and watch the sun go down that's it drink cocoa oh, yeah. I do love the idea of Alex driving his family out to Wyoming and he gets here and everyone's snowboarding. He's like, honey, get back in the car. <laughs> I totally going, would, by the way. Like, fuck back. this. F this. We're Forget it. Back. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I would I would pick up and leave even after that. I, I'd be like, maybe we should just go back to LA. I'm sure it's fine now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can pick up the pieces. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure something's there. It'll be fine. Yeah, but definitely. Excellent. Um, so um now that you're both in your safe places, um with your significant others and family and things like that, um, over some hot cocoa on a on a lovely uh evening, um your your significant others start talking about comics and things like that. And um, the the first question they ask you is, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" Mm. Am I going first, Rob? Yeah, yeah, you go first. Okay, uh, I think the first comic I remember enjoying is a Calvin and Hobbes tenth anniversary edition book. I oh, read it cover yes. to cover. I remember because the the opener was um um. Bill Watterson actually explaining <laughs> and like a bunch of blurbs, like his characters that he wrote. And then there was one particular thing about merchandising. And he wrote this huge thing about how he's like, I never merchandise Calvin and Hobbes. I don't believe that's the spirit of the book, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, good for you, man. Actually, uh, Bill Watterson lives like 10 minutes from where I grew up in Ohio. Um, I never saw him. So I think he's just a shut in, but, um, I remember reading that book cover to cover and feeling like the words Calvin used. I felt I was, I was a really wordy kid. Like I, I used a lot of, I used larger words than any child in like the fourth grade ever should. And I always felt really weird about that until I read Calvin and Hobbes. And I felt a lot better afterwards. So that'd probably be it. That's a really good answer. I, I make the mistake because I read a ton of Calvin and Hobbes too. And I actually had that same book when, when people ask me about comics, I totally forget that. Like I, I was a huge Calvin and Hobbes fan, like in elementary school mm-hmm. and also um, Gary Larson's the far side. Oh um, yeah. I love that. So my first, I mean, it's hard for me to tell if any comic books came first, but like my dad, Remember, had a like a a daily like ripoff. You remember those like daily ripoff calendars that people used to buy? Oh yeah. Um, and it was Farside, so every day was another cartoon. 
Um, and I used to love that. I would be peeking ahead and, and reading like days and months uh, at a time. I love that <laughs> stuff. Um, but I will stick with the answer uh, that I gave uh, Samuel previously, which is uh, in terms of like direct market comic book from the comic book shop, um, there was this Dark Horse Star Wars one shot called uh, Boba Fett Twin Engines of Destruction. And um, I bought it not knowing or it was bought for me, not know, really knowing what it was. I didn't know if it was like a series or what, but it, it is a one shot. And it's just um, it, I think it happens post like um, Return of the Jedi. So we're already like Boba Fett survives Sarlacc pit and he realizes that someone um, is is using some version of his armor and posing as him and like benefiting from all these jobs from people who think they're hiring Boba Fett. Um, and so he tracks this imposter down and uh, fights him. And it's, you know, this like this kind of like mirror match between Boba Fett and this, this imposter called Jedo Cass. And I just remember thinking this blew my mind uh, because, you know, at the time, like I was not into like the expanded universe of star Wars at all. Um, right. I love the movies and it is just like the perfect little gnarly one shot, just like 24 pages of like Boba Fett being a badass. The art is wonderful. Um, the writing from what I remember is like pretty sharp um, and pretty like uh, Spartan, but really cool. Um, yeah. And it was just like, I don't know. I, I hope I still have it somewhere back at my parents place, but um that was, I remember that being, making a big, big impression on me. And I remember reading that before really, really collecting other comics too. Nice. <clears throat> and so um, for, for, for both of you, did, did that initiate you to actually try creating your own comics or did that come later? It, it did for me. I, I mean, I remember I had like, I, I, I used to get in trouble actually. I had one teacher in school that was okay with it, but the rest of them, like anytime I tried to like draw, cause I was, I mean, I'm a terrible artist, but like I would draw cause I wasn't going to like go up to it, but I'd be like, Hey, I wrote this. Can you draw it now? Um, <laughs> I'm like now. Um, but yeah, I used to draw my own like characters and write my own stories and stuff like that. I had the care. I remember it really well too. It was actually, this, and I was, this is the least inventive thing I could have come up with as a, seven-year-old but it was a character called schoolboy who literally just saved the school every time <laughs> from like mutant pencils and shit like that so it's not bad it was, it was all right but he couldn't he couldn't get changed and he couldn't get, put his costume on in class he had to get a bathroom pass to go to the bathroom to put it on it was super it was it was i was like uh, what? the rules were ridiculous I, I like the world building here. I think, <laughs> I think I think there's there's layers here. I think you should revisit this. <laughs> um, I I um I don't. It it took a while for me to do to get into trying to make and like write my own comics. What I do remember doing in elementary school, um, probably prior to that star Wars one shot is I would draw my own far side cartoons. Um, and I would, they were, you know, the jokes are probably terrible, 
Um, but I would, tr- I would try <laughs> to draw them in like, um, in Gary Larson's style. Um, and I drew dozens. Like I remember like a, like manila folders just like bursting at the seams. Um, I wonder if those are anywhere. Uh, but yeah, I did that. And uh, that was just uh, basically an homage really. Cause like, honestly, I wasn't drawing like into my own, kind of aesthetic or anything um it was just like i wasn't tracing but i was like i was like okay you know this is what gary larson's cow looks like and i'd i'd looked at these you know cartoons so many times that they were i had, I had a pretty good like rolodex in my brain of like what things should look like in far side world so yeah i did that for sure Nice. <clears throat> but that's a, that's where it can all start, can't it? Um, in terms of creativity, um, you often have to imitate before you can innovate, as they say. Correct. Um, yes. Which is uh, like a really important part of the of the process. But I, I, I love the formula of Schoolboy, by the way. <laughs> I and and, and I, th- I, I think Rob's totally right. You've got to revisit that. <laughs> I wonder if I have Bring it. Yeah, yes, there's something. I'm going to start a hashtag, and we're going to make it happen. <laughs> when you post this, if you start that hashtag, I will. I will find a way to bring it back. <laughs> bring back schoolboy. That's right. The four <laughs> kids who read it, they'll just be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> "Amazing! That was my jam." <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, um, heading back to your respective safe places, um, the next question that crops up is: What's the funniest comic that you've read? Um, well, I'll, I'll go first this time. Um, I th- I think the funniest comic I read, and there's been you know, it's been quite a few over the years. Uh, my favorite though is um the superior foes of spider-man which i believe debuted right around the time i moved to la so 2013 2012 i remember i remember specifically like driving and like learning my way around the city and finding my way to uh, meltdown at the time which was my go-to shop which does not exist anymore sadly um and yeah, I, you know, I'm a huge Thunderbolts fan. And so, and I'm also a huge um, Steve Lieber fan because he's one of the few uh, creators who does like a lot of West Coast uh, cons. And I'm, he's very kind uh, to people that visit his table. Um, so he was doing um, Superior Foes of Spider Man, which is a, a weird like comedy tie in to the Superior Spider Man, which was like Doc Ock taking over peter parker's body which had nothing to do with this comedy series it's just like sorry i'm, I'm talking in circles so th- some of the thunderbolts <laughs> characters were it ended up you know jumping onto this this mini series um or maxi series or whatever i think it was like 14 issues uh and it's just like a bunch of like sea level spider-man villains trying to pull a fast one on like uh, dr doom and kingpin and like trying to make a name for themselves on like the new york underworld uh written by nick spencer and it was hilarious um i had never read a comic book like that i was laughing out loud multiple times per issue um yeah i don't know it's still a very it's a high water mark for me in terms of funny comics comedy and comics 
That's a really good one. Jeez. I didn't even think about that. Uh, the one I, I'll stick with my answer. The one that I put down was Sex Criminals by uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Um, I don't think I've ever read a book as, I mean, just a, it's smart. Like the idea, the concept in general is, and I want to be as respectful as possible because it's a really like dirty concept for a comic book, but um. It is just like to have sex and rob banks, something about that's really hilarious. But then it's Matt Fraction who's just like in the pantheon for me of just like my favorite writers. Um, he there's a in the first first or second issue, I can't remember, but there's a scene where he uh, the the main female character in the in the book, she gets on top of a uh, pool table and start seeing fat bottom girls by queen. But because image can't secure the rights <laughs> to fat bottom girls, uh, <laughs> Matt fraction um, wrote post-its over all of the uh, bubbles mm. to like, say what is happening and what, why she's doing it. Like, it's just this like perfect fourth wall break. Yeah. And I was, I mean, I just remember like, I, my wife is very, cool and she's willing to read like you know she's willing to read a lot of comics with me and i like handed this one like you got to read this like out of context this is absolutely hilarious but uh that would that would probably be mine brilliant choices fantastic um now uh shifting gears a little bit um what's the saddest comic that you've read i can go first uh i think the saddest one like the saddest beat for me is the opening and closing of Spider-Man Blue by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Um, the opener is this. I mean, it's really. I think it's it's hard to say. It's like sad. Like sadness is a weird thing, but like it's very moody. And it's this. If you're associated with Spider-Man lore at all, you know what it is. Like almost from the jump, without any knowledge of what the book is, you know what's about to happen. And you know what he's already talking about. So like there's this, it's probably the last page before it kicks the story off, which is like a, um, the framework is that he's speak. That's Peter Parker speaking into a tape recorder, um, reminiscing about Gwen Stacy. And it's like the last thing he says, which is, um, he's like, I don't tell anybody. He's like, I do this thing every year. I don't tell anybody about it and I don't make a big deal, but him describing and then with Tim sales art, just all it is is like a rose on top of the, uh, the bridge that Gwen Stacy falls off of that she ends up dying at is uh, there's something about that. Just this is that like beautiful alchemy of comics. It works so well together and it does like, it just kind of like, it just kind of gets you like, I mean, that's me. I mean, I cry at pretty much everything. So like, it's sort of wispy in that way, but, um, it is this like sort of like lost. It's this lost love thing that's really pretty to me. So yeah, nice. And how about you, Rob? Um, I actually had to go back and look at what I wrote. Um, but <laughs> so good. No, uh, my answer is good, and of course I, I should have remembered it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's sad. It's more like touching and like I, I, I don't. It's it's from Barrier, which is um, by Brian Kavon, 
um and the Ooh, artist nice. is escaping me um but it's um it's a it's i believe it's five five part series it came out a couple of years ago and it's about like uh, a texas rancher liddy uh who's like being foreclosed on and oscar who is like um from central america somewhere and it is is migrating you know towards the border to escape uh criminals um from his um point of origin um and then uh they both uh in dramatic fashion are abducted by aliens uh which is very <laughs> very very strange uh that's a that's a twist at the end of end of the first issue but um so it's hard to explain because it gets like kind of metaphysical and stuff, but uh, eventually they, they don't speak each other's language It's just the language barrier, which is, I guess what the, the title is nodding to, but there's a point where they do like a mind meld with the aliens and they, we, we, the audience and the characters themselves all experience like each other's backstory. And, um, Liddy for the first time uh, realizes that Oscar has, you know, fled his home because like his family was killed like by gangs and he himself is, you know, is being hunted and um, which, you know, she has her own tragedy or whatever, but this to her is like beyond and, you know, they come out of the mind meld or whatever. And, you know, she's like, how do you, you know, even go on after something like this happens to you. And of course it's in the book, it's, it's in Spanish. So I had to go to like Google translate and punch in what his response is, which is somehow also kind of like rewarding. But what he says is I lost my wife and my son, but life does not end with your people. There's always someone who needs us. And, um, you know, their hands are almost like touching at that point. And they, they really, you know, forge this emotional connection with each other. And that like really knocked me on my ass because I, I love that sentiment. I love forging, uh, you know, connections between people who are not just like, you know, connected by family or by romance. Um, and just the fact that like, you know, uh, moving on, beyond tragedy there is like other fruitful things for people if if they have the chance to like make those connections uh so yeah that to me i mean man that really that really smashed me over the head and uh that still stays with me that's powerful man i'm gonna have to um um dig that one out because i i haven't read that one and I, yeah, lo- love that twist, but it sounds like it's an emotional story too. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, it didn't get it didn't get a ton of press for whatever reason or hype, mm. um, but uh, it was great. And it's um, it's horizontal, um, so oh, okay. you you, oh, cool. you read it you read it like a calendar, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice man, nice, excellent. Uh, now, uh, changing gears once again. Uh, what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've read? Um, I can go first this time. Uh, my one of my favorite comics and the scariest comic I've read is hands down uh, meme meme edit. Meme edit. Meme edit. Uh, from Boom, I believe. Um, and it is about a 
a meme that goes viral and eventually turns people insane and gives them like sort of like <laughs> rage zombie. Uh, I don't know. Uh, a, a virus essentially. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. But uh, have you guys not read this? I have not read. I have one. not. No. Oh, oh my God. It's great. Um, it, so it, it follows two storylines. One is like sort of like an average sort of like young person um, who is trying to navigate, you know, the world collapsing around him. And the other one, the other storyline is like investigators, you know, government people trying to figure out where did this meme originate? And um, uh, they eventually find like an artist who said like an angel came to him and he made it and he put it online. And like, uh, it, it's, it's, it's scary because there becomes a point in the story where you realize like, Oh, like there's no fixing this. Like it's out there. There's no like magic button. There's no like, you know, like, uh, you know, MacGuffin that they're going to find that is going to like cure everybody. It's not like a, a biological weapon. Uh, and there's this creeping dread and inevitability that comes with this story. And like, once they find this artist, there's like this like very scary moment where they're the investigators themselves are just like, Oh, well that that's it. That's the end. We thought we could fix this, but that that's no. And then of course <laughs> it's uh, it, it escalates from there into, in terms of what happens to the people and their physical bodies who have been infected by this meme. Um, but it, uh, it always struck me because there is like just this impending doom that uh, other comics uh, have not really, at least that I've read, have not really duplicated. Um, and I love Memetic for that for that reason. Wow, that sounds really that's um, awesome, crazy. It's awesome, yeah, yeah as well. <clears throat> and, it, and it's taken um, the <clears throat> kind of the definition of a meme kind of to to its reality i guess um because I, I don't know if you know that i believe that off the top of my head richard dawkins was the one that came up with the definition and well you came up with the meme um oh, which is oh, right. so it, it sounds strange but like the idea of it um basically and it, it, this was that it was actually before you know social media and things um it comes from you know an idea spreading like a virus yes kind of thing um yes. and so yeah obviously that's that's turned into these days with you know whatever meme you're sharing yes. <laughs> um, online um but yeah no that's it's like it's literally taken um the the original definition literally um, right. which is absolutely fantastic and, and made it into what sounds like a great story it is um i believe it's james tinian oh okay who wrote that i was gonna say it sounds like tinian yeah. And I, I forgot to mention too, like the best part is that the meme is is itself is like very harmless. It's it's a sloth giving a thumbs up. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and uh it's, awesome. it's great. It's great. Oh, that's cool, man. Another good choice. How about you, Alex? Um mine would have to be uh Uzumaki by Junji Ito. Uh Sort of in the same vein, Rob's, it was just like things that are just out of your control. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it's a spiral. Like it's just a very simple thing and it becomes this horrible 
it's almost like an infection. But then on top of everything else, just I think my the horror that comes from Uzumaki for me is just how nauseating it is. Like it's the one of the most like graphic books I've ever read. But then also like I have a real like it's the only, it's the genre it's the subgenre of horror that I love the most is body horror. And um not only does it scare the shit out of me, but I also just love it. Like it's just such an awesome there's like where you just it's like this violation of self and this sort of like rejection of your body. There's nothing there's nothing scarier to me than the that concept. You're just like, what am I gonna do? Um there's so many beats that hit that on the head and then through the head on in Uzumaki that is just like it's unbelievable and it's just this it's this constant it's Junji Ito does this in all his books but he's like constantly creating stories about these things that we sort of like refuse to admit we think to ourselves about like oh that'd be kind of gross and like you back away from that immediately and he just like dives headfirst into it uh yeah, I mean, he's just that that book particularly, but all of this stuff is incredible. But that book it just scares me to death. <laughs> I can never read it again. Ninja <laughs> Ito just scares me to death. Full stop. Yeah, like, <laughs> um, I need to read this. Oh, dude, you you would you would dig it. It's it's intense, but it's it's great. The the snail stuff. There's snails that are that's the grossest thing I've ever read in a comic book. <laughs> The snail stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I need to read it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, uh, moving on to my favorite question, and that is, what is your favorite cover? Ooh. My, do I? Oh, did yeah, I? Oh, you, we, sorry, it's me. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. All-Star Superman number one by Frank Quietly. Uh, <laughs> Enough so you don't need to say any more. I don't think I have to say anything else. Like, it's just, it's, I mean, I know that that's like a really obvious one, but for me, it's just, I can't think of a cover that tells you everything you need to know about a book. So, so well, like even after reading it, you look back at that first cover and you're like, Oh, I didn't, you could know everything that happens in the story just by looking at that picture. It's Mm -hmm. mm, that guy's, is is that the one he's just sitting on the clouds? Like, Yes, yes. Oh yeah. That is yeah. yeah. That is definitely my favorite cover. Wow. Yeah, it's a fantastic one. So yeah, just so that everybody's got that picture in their minds. I mean, feel free to Google it, of course. Um but yeah, it's Superman sitting on a cloud, um, kind of looking over his shoulder, um, with kind of like the sun kind of maybe approaching towards something. He's like holding his legs. He's like holding his legs like he's a little kid. Yeah. Just like excited i mean it's just it's beautiful man it is yeah um no it's it's fantastic and like obviously frank quietly just nailed it in terms of what superman is yeah um as well um just absolutely uh brilliant brilliant choice there um for sure um, and then did you want to add anything else to that sorry alex oh no that's that's all i mean there is nothing else to add you're right it's frank quietly yeah <laughs> nailed it um, and then how about you Rob so I chose uh, The Incredible Hulk number 228 um, which is uh, from 1978 uh, and for those of you who don't know it it's um, the cover is Hulk being like punched <laughs> through 
uh, a brick wall uh, and coming at you, and um, it's the villain um, or villainess uh, Moonstone who's doing it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it that's pure comics to me. Um, the um, the composition of it, the way that it's you know breaking the the 2D plane, um, the color, man, the color is just out of control um hulk's green obviously but there's this wonderful yellow in the in the in the um the logo and in moonstone's costume and uh man i don't know it's just um it's just like the definition of of something i would walk past um in a store and be like oh i'm buying this yeah, um, i'm looking at this now you are totally right this is incredible uh, yeah it just it jumps out at you certainly yeah doesn't it? yeah um and you know it's pretty old school at this point. Like it, I, I, I comic covers have gotten very sophisticated and um, very you know, have absorbed like so many. I think like uh, principles from like even fine art uh, at this point. Oh, definitely. And, like, um, and there's something about this that also, uh, I don't know. I can also see like a little kid showing this uh, to their parent, like in a store or whatever. And the parent being like, I'm not buying this for you. Like, this is like <laughs> kind of like ill repute a little bit where comics were, <laughs> you know, like um, I think like pretty much almost all comics um, from like a, a Marvel and, and DC point of view are, are very kind of like kid kid friendly um but like there, there's something about this to just be like no this is like the the garbage that like a quote-unquote garbage that like you know stuffy parents would not want their children sort of like um subjected to <laughs> or reading mm-hmm. like this isn't real reading but there's something kind of beautiful about that and like comics is so rarely that anymore um so there's something like kind of um uh, what's, it, it, it still feels like a little um, subversive in terms of like this, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crude and elegant at the same time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just so many things at once. Um, Google it. It's amazing. Listeners out there. Yeah, definitely. The, the incredible Hulk number uh, 228, so 228. Um, yeah, definitely Google it because you, you're totally spot on there, Rob. It's, it, it epitomizes comics, I think, definitely. And I, I, from what you said there, that's really, really good uh, uh, insight that, yeah, a, a parent would scoff at buying this for, for yeah. their kid, but the kid would go back to the shop later and, and get yeah, it anyway. for sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um definitely um it's because you know you're not gonna get not have a kid um <laughs> want to read hulk being punched through a, a brick wall yeah um, by by this very strong woman who <laughs> i think i would love to see moonstone in the mcu um, oh yeah sure. i i reckon that would be amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> she awesome. looks like a great villain would be awesome um, but uh yeah no that's that's a uh, excellent two choices and and folks go definitely go go check those out uh was there anything else sorry that you wanted to add there rob no no that that, that wraps it up it's amazing nah really good really good how did you come across that one sorry 
So um, I I mentioned my, um, my Thunderbolts obsession. So Moonstone, uh, obviously one of the, the core members of that team. And I've, I've collected all the Thunderbolts stuff, um, the floppies. And what I did was I was like, I'd, I'd love to get like the first appearance of like some of the key Thunderbolts characters. Um, and when I was, this isn't the first appearance of Moonstone, but when I was Googling like first appearance Moonstone, this cover came up and I was like, Oh, holy shit. I need that. (laughs) So, uh, the next con I went to, um, I found it in in great condition and, and swept it up. Nice man. Graded and everything or no, no, not graded. Just bag and board. Bag and board. Yeah. Nice. Nice man. Sweet. Um, now, uh, moving on to another of my favorite questions. Uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Oh, do I have to go first? Oh yeah. Game oh boy. Free. I think I'm gonna <laughs> change. I'm gonna change my answer because my answer initially was I was gonna talk about you know, actually publishing my first comic. Yeah. But well, I don't know. Uh, Honestly, I, yeah, like it's it's, it's, wrong, man, it's not uncommon. Wanna, it's not uncommon wanna... for people to to, oh, to really? choose that. So, yeah, no, no, go for it, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you can always you can always uh, have a, a notable cho- other choice as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll do a, a choice um, from from a, uh, something that's not written by me. But I, I did choose um, Dame from the Dark from from TKO just because that was um, my choice as well. By the way, so we can just do this. <laughs> Shut up, man. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean it. It was uh, you know I had stuff in anthologies before. Um, and this is a short comic in and of itself, but it is it is sort of a standalone um, um, story um, from TKO. Uh, my co-creator, Kit Mills, and I, we started working on the pitch for this idea uh, in 2016. Um, um, so it was a long time um, putting a pitch together, wow. uh, refining that pitch, um, you know, getting to a point where it's like, oh, realizing parts of the pitch weren't working, revising again, um, and then getting it in front of people, uh, getting feedback about it, and then finally uh, landing at TKO, uh, probably late 2019, I think, is when we signed with TKO um, to do um, a short story featuring these characters. So... Um, very rewarding process. And I know also too, just from, you know, peers I know in the industry that like, we're also very fortunate that we, uh, you know, found um, a publisher that was willing to treat us fairly. And just like the fact that we found, you know, our, our, not our first idea, but like uh, one of our, an idea that meant that we were very passionate about that meant a lot to us. Um, you know, a publisher was like, yeah, yeah, we like this and we're going to, we're going to run with it. So, um, it was very unlikely win. Um, and we're, um, very proud of how it came out and, um, we're hoping to one day, uh, do a little more with those characters as well with TKO. So, um, nice. Watch this space. (laughs) Yeah. Watch this space. And I mean, very quickly, not to take up too much of Alex's time, like if we're talking about um, big stuff. The, the touch point that I always go back to is the long Halloween. Um, because 
I'd read a bunch of comics in like elementary school and I sort of like fell out of the habit of doing that. And it wasn't until I think like Batman Begins came out and I was like, man, that was a really good Batman movie. I forgot like how cool Batman was. And like mm-hmm. I had a friend say like, oh, yeah, man, you should read this. And he handed me a long Halloween and I read it and I was like, holy shit, I've never read a Batman story like that or comics at all like that. It was so moody and sophisticated and um it took itself seriously in a way that like at the time like I really wanted this stuff to take itself seriously. Um so um yeah, it totally pulled me back into comics. Like everything that I ended up reading that was formative for me um in like my second wave of comic reading of like mm-hmm. Hellboy and Dark Avengers and all this stuff started with The Long Halloween. So nice man. Excellent. Um, and then how about for you, Alex? It's funny. I actually have a similar origin with the long Halloween, but oh. and that hit me right at the right time as well, where I was like, oh, I can. I had a friend who went to the Cubert uh, school who asked me to um, write him like a because they had to adapt a script. That was the assignment. So he asked me to write him like a six page short. And I wrote him a six page short. And then I was like, oh, this format is cool. And then I just wrote an entire issue of what ended up being our first self-published book, um, which didn't go anywhere, of course, because we published it ourselves and we had no idea what we were doing. But we printed it anyways, and it was just cool to see your name in print. Um, but my probably most meaningful comic is Invincible by Kirkman, uh, Rathbone and Otley. Um, I think because when I started writing the books that I felt like were more my voice – and we're more in tune with like how I felt I was as a writer. Cause I, I feel like I'm a pretty, I went to film school. So I have a very specific, I have a very specific tone with dialogue for myself at least. And I have the way I write. I'm one of those guys who has a lot of ellipses cause I want people to like <laughs> yeah. breathe in the middle of reading. Me too. <laughs> and like, that's cause that's just how I talk. And that's how I think um, people would be talking anyways. So um, but when I started reading Invincible, I actually had to stop, especially when we were writing our first story, because I'm like, I'm just going to rip off this entire thing if I'm not careful. Um, but like Invincible just had such a vibe and such an amazing, like all the characters had such amazing repartee on a, on a page too. Like, and the artwork is incredible. Like we all know, like, you know, Rathbone, Ryan Ollie, like they're like, they're wonderful artists and like, Ryan Otley is now doing Hulk, which I can't wait to read. But like the more I read, the more I realized like, Oh, like I don't have to write a big chunk of dialogue to make this work. And so like seeing how that worked with the, with the art itself was what yeah. made me realize like, Oh wow. I can actually like, I can dictate the way I want to dictate like a film Mm-hmm. in this page without even saying anything like I can just write oh he does this and it's a really it was a really important book to read at a time when I think I was wondering if I even had the chops or even like the ability to write this kind of stuff it's actually kind of weird that you mentioned that because one of the things that struck me most about long Halloween was like how quote-unquote quiet it is like yeah um I was used to reading superhero stories where like 
man, there's so much like narration and voiceover and everything. And there's some of that in Long Halloween, but it is also like very visual. And like mm-hmm. Tim Tim Sale is one of my favorite. Um, um, so like he's rocking it on every page. And it also very much struck me that like Batman can say like one word to like Scarecrow, whoever who's fighting to, and it's like scary and it has like a lot of weight and like you don't need you can shut up and let yeah. the artists do their thing because if they know what they're doing, um, the story is in good hands and the vibes are in good yeah. hands. <clears throat> that was actually something that I thought when I started writing comics was when I really started using Twitter, like way back when was I realized like the advantage of knowing how Twitter works. And like, originally it wasn't 240 characters, 120, like editing yourself down. And it's weird to think that anything social media could be like useful besides like self-promotion and like ruining lives, but (laughs) really like learning how to write tweets, I think is actually a really useful thing for like learning Mm -hmm. how dialogue works for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, sometimes there's another weird thing. Like sometimes like I've, I have so many like tweets and I'm like, eh, whatever. And like, I'll delete it. And that's half the time how I go through scripts when I'm editing. I'm like, this doesn't need to be here. I was just yesterday I was editing yep. something and I'm like, I don't need this line of dialogue here at all. Like I got to let the art do its job. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's, there's so like, yeah, long Halloween and the yeah, invincible, like, teach you i think for me like those are the teachers that i found the most useful early on was like oh there's places for this and oh there's not places for this mm-hmm. so it was uh, that would that would those would definitely long halloween but invincible would probably be mine nice again both both great choices and it sounds like they've, they've all had a profound effect on on um on who you are and what you're becoming as, as, as writers. Um, and uh, I hope that both your successes continue in the right direction. Um, have, you, have you got anything kind of in the works that either of you can talk about, apart from producing the end of the world, of course? But uh, I mean, I don't have anything coming up like publishing-wise, so I can talk about what I'm, what I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. Uh, I have a book that I've been working on for a while with my friend, Evan Peter, who's another, who's an artist I've worked with for a long time, uh, called super fed up. It's about mm-hmm. a superhero. His, his girl is basically the idea is like, what if Lois Lane broke up with Superman and Superman just like, didn't take it well, but not in like that, like comic booky <laughs> way of like breaking buildings or anything. What if it was just right. like an actual breakup? So for me, it, was about exploring less about like the super heroics of it, more about this Lois Lane type character. Like how do you deal with the fact that you're just known for interviewing superheroes and Mm -hmm. you're a real journalist. You're it's your real job. And this shouldn't be like what you're known for. How do you deal with that? Not only that, but also just it's a breakup. Breakups suck. We've all had horrible breakups. We've all had terrible times in relationships. So that was something I thought was interesting enough for me to actually put pen to paper. And now we've got at least a couple of pages colored. So, yeah. Nice, man. And then he, he taking that uh, to publishers or kickstarting we, it? Or? I think we're going to kickstart it. That's the first time I've said that publicly. I think we're going to kickstart <laughs> it next year. Oh, but now, now you have to. Now I have to. So committed yeah. now. <laughs> it's out in the ether. <laughs> um, and then how about for you, Rob? 
Um, I have a I have a few irons in the fire. Um, some are in the very early stages and not super mm-hmm. worth talking about. But I will say, um, I I will have a uh, another short story in another anthology, which I believe will be kickstarting soon. Um, not quite as soon as as producing the end of the world, but um, it's a sci fi story with uh, Max Davenport. Uh, the artist and, and co-creator there and the anthology is is the big hype um it's volume two i believe doug wood put out volume one i think earlier this year uh and we're doing it again um or he's doing it again um with uh, an editorial team and um i wrote uh, a very silly sci-fi story um called revenge of the rovers which takes place in a a distant future where there's a you know a, a colony on Mars, some space marines uh, find it demolished, and um, realize that um, over the years and generations, uh, the rovers we've been sending to Mars that uh, get used <laughs> for explanation and then are abandoned um, have slowly like sort of uh, built themselves up into like a, a rover Voltron. Uh, and are, are very pissed off at humanity for leaving them behind. Uh, so um, Max, ha- I've been sharing some snippets of what Max is doing um, online, and he's just like killing it. Um, it looks awesome. Yeah, I- I'm super excited for people to see this one. I, I-, I looked through the script again um, recently, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is uh, this is pretty good. And, and th- the game that Max is bringing to these pages um, – I think people are really going to like it. That's fantastic. Love it. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean, going off what you were saying about Twitter, actually, there, Alex, just in terms of, you know, having to edit yourself and things like that. I think Kickstarters and pitches certainly help with that because you really yeah, got so to distill down the story, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and, and you have to fully understand it in order to deconstruct it to like a couple of sentences really um so going through that process is is really beneficial i think i look forward to it i think i've only i've only ever done we did a um actually this is how i met rob uh we did an anthology during quarantine called housebound with another writer ryan burke and um he uh that's right that was like we did um was that indiegogo we did an indiegogo for it which I've, Mm -hmm. i've i've only done one other of those for a play i wrote um but um yeah like you really have to like we i edited the video that we put out and i was like man this is either this is, has to be like 30 seconds long like i cannot have like because i <laughs> some of those videos and like unless you're famous like some of those videos can be just interminable so i was like oh, i oh my God. yeah i can't do this to anybody because like i'm watching it like editing and i'm like i wouldn't even want to watch this like i'm just <laughs> like yeah it's the again it's I was, it was before, right before I was talking with Rob about this. Like I am like the biggest, like, I think learning curve I have right now, besides just like continuing to try to be a better writer is self-promotion. I think self-promotion is really difficult. Some people are just like mm-hmm. naturals at it. And I have utter respect for that. Like I have, mm-hmm. I have nothing but respect and like true respect. And also like, of course, like mildly begrudging respect, cause we're all competitive with each other, but also at the same time, like if we're being honest with ourselves, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
at the same time, you just have to respect some people just are so good at putting themselves out there. And I'm just like, <laughs> just terrified <laughs> of telling anyone I write comics and uh, I like what I do. And uh, do you want to, do you want to do comics and too? Like it's, it's very, it's very strange, but again, I have it. You're right though. Like it is just like editing yourself down. I think is the best. It's the best thing you can learn to do as a writer, especially for comics. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, now, uh, moving on to another interesting question, uh, and that is, what's the most underrated comic? Who's going first this time? Dwight? Do yeah, I, I go first this time? Yeah, oh, shit. Okay. Um, I'm going to stick with my original answer, actually. I um, It's weird. It is, like, timely. But I think that Neil Gaiman Eternals run with J.R. Jr. is, like, fascinatingly overlooked. I think because Eternals is such a weird thing. And I think we're seeing that now with the movie coming out. Um, like I, you know, when people, when they announced it, I was like, people are not going to understand what this is. Like, this was literally <laughs> like Jack Kirby's FU book to Marvel when he came back from DC. <laughs> like it was just one of those things where I was like, this thing's going to be a really weird movie. Um, but that, that Neil Gaiman run is so good because it does this, it does the Neil Gaiman thing. Neil Gaiman is just incredible in and of himself. Like, you know, Sandman is an absolute masterpiece. So he takes this mentality to a really weird concept, which is just like, Oh yeah, it's these like immortal people who are here to protect us from celestials and deviates, but not from celestials yet somehow sort of celestials. It's so weird and convoluted. And he does such a good job of keeping it convoluted, but just enough where I'm like, I'm, I have to read the next issue. It's it's just it's a masterclass for me uh, in writing stuff that people are familiar with and yet not. So that would be my that would be my underrated one for sure. Nice. And then how about you, Rob? So my choice uh, was Cowl. Um, oh man! Of course, good C- pick. C O W L. Um, it's a it's an acronym for Chicago Organized Workers League, um, and, and it came out from Image like two two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen, um, and uh, Rod Reese is the is the artist, and Kyle Higgins wrote it. And um, it is, I mean, when I picked it up, I I was blown away by it to me it was like it's like incredibles meets watchmen meets like madman and i was like wow this is going to make all the money this is going to be a tv show in like a year and I, and then no one read it no one <laughs> was, it. I was, it was like shocking. the only person i was like how is no one reading this um it, did you read it's it? incredible Okay. Yeah. All right. So you read it. Um, it oh, it's a, it's unbelievable. I mean, I love yeah. Kyle. Actually, my one of my cousins is very good friends with um, the guys. So Kyle Higgins had a precursor to this that he actually did a soundtrack for. And because um, Kyle Higgins is like a deep Chicago fixture. It's like okay. him and then another uh, this musician named Joe Clark. He actually did a soundtrack for when Kyle was trying to pitch it, I think, as a show or a movie or something like that. And then it became the comic. And so he put out a, he actually put out like a cowl um, 
I think he put out some sort of Cal soundtrack oh, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there was like a yeah, there's like a Spotify thing. I yeah, remember. my cousin um, actually ended up playing on it or something like that. Like wow, it's just this. That's so interesting. I completely agree with you though. It's so overlooked. Like it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's um, it, it's hard to. It's actually been a while since I've read it, but it it made such a mark on me. And and Rod Rees is like, just like one of those artist that is like an instant favorite like the yeah you're immediately like looking at his art and you're like holy shit like it has like senkowitz vibes almost yes, yes. like it's oh my god Good so day. i i went to um uh new york comic-con in 2018 and uh rod reese and kyle higgins actually were there but rod reese was kind of like I was a little starstruck. Uh, I definitely went over to him and was like, Oh my God. Like I, I probably geeked out and it was a total noob. Um, but, um, he was just like, looking at, he was like trying to eat a piece of pizza. Like he was like on his break. That is like the worst possible timing. And, but I was trying to tell him like how, how great I thought this book was. And, um, it was like already ancient history to him. Like he was on like Marvel shit already. Like, and yeah. it, it's it's a very weird business, but um, yeah, no, I think it's it's I think it was like eleven issues or something. Um, it's split in between two trades. I know that yeah. I have two trades. It's two arcs, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like political intrigue in a world where there's a superhero union, essentially, yeah. um, and. It uh, it takes like that first part of Incredibles kind of and sort of like cranks up like the noir and the the intrigue and um oh god it's so good I have to read it again nice yeah always worth uh, revisiting stuff that you love mm. really um so uh, yeah um now uh, we're moving on to our uh, final questions but but this is the penultimate question and uh, that is what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics uh, yeah uh, so my answer to this is is the boring answer which is saga um, <laughs> that is that, not a boring answer I mean yeah <laughs> but it is because I, I'm sure that's everyone's answer that's just like the go to um, it is such an inviting comic it's it's eye-popping it's funny it's sad it's dramatic it it is i i feel like you know it's sci-fi it's fantasy it's um you know like a family sort of drama too like it, it has something for everyone um of course the art is is gorgeous um it is endlessly sort of like inventive and weird and shocking um yeah I, I like i tried to think there there are some like like blockbuster other you know series that have come out right now like something is killing the children is like everywhere now and yeah. that's a great series like i'm i'm not I'm not bashing it at all but that is really like if you don't like horror you're not going to like <laughs> like something is killing your children but like if you you could hand saga to someone who is like eh, i don't like fantasy and you're just like, no, but this is saga. And yeah. I feel like they're still going to be like, oh, shit, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are a few series uh, and stories out there right now. 
I think that sort of like bridge kind of like all sort of preferences and, um, you know, genres like saga does. And I don't know. I, I just think that's the comic you can, you can put in anyone's hand and be like, this is going to surprise you a little bit. I bet. Um, I think you're going to like this more than you think you like comics. Totally Definitely. true. And I think I've actually done that before. Yeah. I think I've actually handed it to someone and said, like, I know you don't read comics, but you're going to read this. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Nice. Great. And how about for you, for you, Alex? I um, I think I would probably I, – I, this one actually I took a while with this question because I was not sure how to answer it because Saga also was one of the ones I'm like, oh, man. And then I was like, Rob probably already said Saga. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually said Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Garrods. Um, I, my wife for me is like a great barometer for like what there's like things she will just not tolerate comic book wise. Like I can't hand her like, I can't hand her like secret wars and be like, you'll love this. (laughs) <laughs> or like, <laughs> or something's killing the children because that's not stuff she reads. But like, I knew when I read and I love Tom King, like um, I met Tom King and I think WonderCon like 2012 or something like that. He was promoting once crowded sky, his first book. Um, but visions was awesome. And then Mr. Miracle though, hits this, really special moment and this really special beat for me as far as like because it's it's not about like it's it's very it's weird it's new gods like it's deep cut kind of deep cut dc but it's really about how functional and dysfunctional a family is and then how important it can be to build your own and i think that that it's this like modern it's this modern storytelling and it's really funny and it's very clever and it's really well written. The issue where he's literally doing like the last day he has before he has to like go surrender to dark side to be murdered is like, I mean, my wife read it and cried because she was just like, this is beautiful. Cause this feels like something you and I might do. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to get like murdered for like ritualistic uh, reasons, but like, you know, <laughs> um, that's what you but- think. <laughs> it's the next book actually. I'm <laughs> yeah. super fed up. Um, but yeah, like that's, it's just like this, it's this beautiful blend of weird and timeless and modern that I think works and you can hand it to people and they're going to be like, I don't understand. I'm like, but it says DC in the corner. So it's something you might like. And that's, it to me is one of those things that just, it's weird enough for, it's weird enough for like the us's of the world. And then people who don't read comics, I think can probably dig it because there's a lot of just really convenient and common things we all relate to, which is protecting your family, loving your family, trying to figure out your place in the universe. Beautiful, I have to man. read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. You sold it to me. <laughs> oh my God. It's just phenomenal. <laughs> nice man. Excellent. Now uh, our last question um, in regards to comic choices, uh, and that is, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Um, I think Sweet Tooth has a lot of good information for the apocalypse, <laughs> so that would be my suggestion. <laughs> I uh, it's innumerable, but I mean, I don't know. 
Sweet Tooth seems to do okay. So, you know, other than like general well-being overall all the time. But that's sort of like danger is just part of the apocalypse. So mm-hmm. once you like get over that and know you're not safe, I think Sweet Tooth has a good like blueprint. So you you went into this question thinking like what's going to be like instructional or like I, I like mean actually I like helpful. Well, and it's Jeff Lemire. Like it's in, oh, it's well, you yeah, know entertaining as well. So you're yeah, like yeah. it's like reading an instruction manual with like entertainment value. Okay. All right. That's probably smart. That's not what I, that's not what I, that's not how I approach this question. <laughs> go Rob, go for it. So, so my thinking with this question is like, it's the apocalypse. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to have access to other comics. Like I have to be comfortable with reading whatever I choose, like multiple times um, over the course of, you know, um, the, the apocalyptic landscape, whatever my journey is. And I picked League of Extraordinary Gentlemen because Ooh, nice. that is, first of all, it's like multiple volumes of it. So, okay. Good amount of actual content, but also just like really dense uh, because it, it's, um. I mean, obviously Alan Moore is a maestro, but um there's all like the prose parts of it. Um, the char- the characters and the stories are, you know, span multiple eras. And there's also just like so many like Easter eggs for, um, for, you know, classic, you know, British literature as well. Uh, I've read most of it. There, I think I, I think I still need to read the final volume of it. Um, and I also have the Nemo, um, there's like a trilogy of, of Captain Nemo stories um, that I haven't gotten to yet. But like, so I've read most of it and I felt like I've, I've really only just scratched the surface of it. Like I'm kind of excited to, to jump back into it again. And that was like, I don't know, that was the deciding factor for this answer. It's just like, oh, I want something that I, I want to keep going back to um, um, and, and discover new things each time. Um, so, yeah, not not practical like Alex is. I don't know. There's some practical, (laughs) there's some practical knowledge in there. Like if you're a giant behemoth person, yeah, you could murder and get away with murdering an invisible man. So, you know, yes. And like in the most like vile way possible. So, you know, yeah. (laughs) Might be one of my favorite parts of that entire book. Oh my God. What a bastard that invisible man was such a douche. They um, always are. They always are. You can't see them. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, uh, absolutely fantastic um, comics for the apocalypse. But now we come on to our final question. Um, and that is what weapon, tool, or useful item would you take along with that comic into the apocalypse? Ooh. Man, Rob, you want to hit us good. up first? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, I go first. Um, so I researched this. Um, <laughs> Excellent. I w- Spent a whole I, day. <laughs> I, I, I googled, um, you know, asteroid Earth, what happens? Um, and nice. so the dinosaurs had to deal with this. Um, and if they weren't vaporized, obviously, by the by the impact, like the amount of debris 
that was, you know, blown mm-hmm. into the air, into the atmosphere, blocking out the sun, changing climate and air quality. So I, it, any kind of like high tech, uh, like breathing apparatus, I think something, some kind of filtration yeah. system, uh, I think would be the smartest thing because it's, uh, if, if you're not vaporized, um, it's going to, it's going to get colder for one thing, obviously, because blocking some of the sun, but the air quality itself gets bad. And like, you know, Alex, you and I, we, we live in LA, we know. Air, yeah. I've already adapted. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't, maybe I haven't been here quite as long as you, but, um, I, I would definitely need like some kind of Darth Vader unit just to just to, to stay breathing and feel good about it uh, post post asteroid nice that's a good choice that's pretty good mm. i think i'll take a page from the hitchhiker's guide i just have a towel i mean that's like the best <laughs> that's a filter uh you know it's a rope of some kind in some regard uh yeah i mean I think a towel is the most versatile item in the universe. It's possible. So 100%. in the event of, yeah, debris, if I'm cold, I can wrap myself. I'll get like a big towel, like for like a guy size, like for like a guy my size, like I'm a big dude. So I'll get like one of the big people beach towels. And, you know, cause then I like, as I waste away, Mm-hmm. Like at least for a time, I'll be like really good looking and I'll be like, Ooh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh, is it going to be like get- a poncho towel as well? Yeah, probably. I'll fashion it that way. Yeah. And then it'll get, but then it'll get like really like Tom Hanks and Castaway sad. And I'll be like, oh, well, I can cover this up. So (laughs) really the apocalypse is about being fashion forward for me and knowing that I'll at least die looking cool. So that's, (laughs) that's the main thing. That's the main thing. fantastic well alex dantino rob pilkington thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse it's it's been a real pleasure oh it was awesome thank you so much man thank you so much for having us oh no worries at all and for the listeners one more time where can they find you both online you can find me on twitter at rob pilk r-o-b-p-i-l-k you can find me on twitter at alex dandino Amazing. And uh, make sure that you go check out Producing the End of the World by searching for it on Kickstarter or just by clicking the link in the show notes, folks. And uh, yeah, Alex, Rob, um, hopefully one day our paths will cross uh, Comic Con. Um, not sure exactly when. Um, I'm, I'm hoping maybe one day to, to make it to New York Comic Con. Um, I don't know if you ever frequent there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you're, you're always welcome to hit me up if you, if you come to to the uk oh thanks man yeah yeah absolutely in new york is a great con i want to go back i, l- I just want to go let's yeah, do it just straight up let's, do it. let's make it happen next year <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome <clears throat> excellent uh, well uh, again thank you both so much and uh, have a good rest of your day you too thank you take care bye guys bye Thanks again to Alex and Rob for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Alex's and Rob's work, or follow them on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already... 
Be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.